Welcome back to The Process Podcast with me, your host, Danielle Copperman. And I think, you know, like all of us, we start with a real desire and a need to quantify at the beginning when we start anything, you know, whether it's yoga or, you know, you need to get into the handstand, you know, like, and then very quickly what what was a self-absorbed practice becomes a, a, a selfless practice. And then at that point, you might forget what the point of focusing on, on, on that attainment was to begin with, because it's really the journey that, that makes everything magical. In this episode, I'm chatting with Max and Tom, co-founders of District Vision. District Vision combines running and meditation to curate products, content, and community events for mindful athletes. The two both came to running and meditation in different ways, but found that combined is where the magic really happens. We talk about the connection between the mind and body and how mindfulness can enhance physical output, as well as how physical movement can also support a healthier mind. We talk about their journey in starting the business, discussing the ins and outs and early obstacles inevitable in any new startup, as well as the beauty of letting your brand and work evolve naturally and intuitively instead of always having to have grand plans and clear strategies mapped out. In this episode, we also talk about their mission with District Vision, the products they're making, which range from activewear and accessories to journals and online courses. And we talk about other rituals and teachings they share with their community, influenced by experts they've worked with or interviewed, and methodologies they've researched and experienced themselves. We touch on the future of well-being and mental health too, looking at less conventional but groundbreaking ideas that are slowly but surely making their way into the mainstream and their promising capabilities to support mental and physical health on completely new levels. You'll notice Tom leaves before the end as he has a very newborn baby at home, but Max goes into more detail on the mindfulness side of the brand, which is super interesting. Okay, here they are. doing good good thanks for having us how are you good i'm good it's really nice to actually connect with you properly face to face or even virtually i know and i want to hear everything that you're doing and hear all about district vision so should we start by talking about your backgrounds and kind of the idea behind district vision and what was kind of the trigger i guess or the inspiration and motivation around developing the brand Yeah, so Tom and I are old friends. We've known each other for 15, 16 years, which we studied together in London and both went through our own little journeys in the world of fashion and and media, you could say, and eventually found our way to running and meditation, respectively. Uh, Tom went through a little bit of a uh, dramatic breakup and got really into the, uh, yeah, really immersed in the New York City running world. And I, uh, I was fired from a job and <laughs> the job that at the time meant, meant quite a lot to me and, and found meditation as a way to really give me perspective and yeah, deal with the, the imminent trauma and yeah, so we sat down and, and came up with this idea for a, a new kind of sportswear brand, uh, 
something we had been loosely discussing for a while and went through many, many iterations. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you have anything to add, Tom? Everything all sounds so in insignificant in the context of COVID, but it <laughs> seemed like a big deal at the time. And, and, and I think to Max's point, there was just a group of individuals that, that, that weren't being served you know, by, by these brands. And, and what we think about a lot is, is how we serve uh, uh, our, our friends uh, and people that, that aspire or have an interest, let's say, in this type of lifestyle. So there really at the time was a gap. And, and if we felt that even if we were a stepping stone for, for someone else or, or something bigger to, 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 to move forward, that that stepping stone was going to be really important. So yeah, that process of the project evolving from what it was into what it's become today has been uh, has become it, uh, really a process of self-development for us as people. And that's mm. probably what we'll get into a bit more today as well, I assume. Yeah. So like a quite a personal thing, you started it just kind of from a personal desire, I guess. And that's often the way these kind of businesses start. And the passion behind them evolves as like the individuals behind them do, I guess, as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is and it has always been a form of therapy for us <laughs> in a way. You know, we, we always thought we, we wanted this, this really cool brand, but then it's almost like our personal lives and our, our, our deeper need for yeah, self-discovery, self-development, whatever you may, you may call it, really caught up with us. <laughs> so it's uh yes on the on the surface you could say it's like it's a it's a, it's a nice looking brand but it's become a vehicle for us really to figure out who we are and what we're doing in this world and how we can make a difference and probably acceptance i mean it's no different probably from being a child in the playground that you all you want is acceptance and when you have a brand I think something that people don't really talk about enough but whether you have a, a podcast or a, a retail brand or any form of uh, enterprise right all you want is acceptance from the people that you respect and that can be great sometimes and that can also get in the way of your your honest path sometimes and I, I definitely for us that's been a process of reckoning of understanding what is right for us and and, and, and in what ways should we be accepted and not to have the most impact uh, on people's lives? Mm, definitely. Acceptance is such a big thing. And I think especially when you start a brand, you want to kind of please everyone and you kind of overthink so many areas of, of a business. And when you start it with something so meaningful, like the foundation of it, it's really easy to get distracted when you're comparing yourself to like other businesses or mainstream businesses or other people that you aspire to, even if you're not really comparing yourself. I think there's definitely a lot of questioning and self-doubt that comes from starting your own business, especially when it's like a slightly unique one, a little bit different. You want to, you guys are paving like a different path, you know, and when you're going off, it can, I guess, feel kind of scary and uncertain. So, I mean, I totally relate having started my business. Like, I think around the same time as you guys, you've been going since 2015, right? Yeah, and yeah. end of 2015, early 2016, yeah. The poor yeah. girlfriends and boyfriends and mothers and fathers that have to listen to all of our <laughs> shit. <laughs> I know, they're probably like, what are you thinking? Um, but yeah, so the initial idea behind the brand was, was it sportswear? Was that kind of like the 
your first idea? That was probably part of the early challenge is that there were too many ideas <laughs> to, to yeah. accommodate under one umbrella. So uh, we, we felt like there was room to nurture and cultivate a more mindful approach to sports. So we had this idea for a meditation program for athletes, which uh, was really part of the foundations of the brand. And, and, and we got going with even prior to launching the first product. Uh, at the same time, we saw a need for really well-made uh, sports eyewear because we couldn't see anything in the market that mm. worked for our friends of, of, of runners. And everything was made in China. I mean, made in China doesn't really mean it's, it's, it's not really a testament to its quality anymore. Mm. But yeah, it just wasn't considered. There wasn't anyone in the market doing anything innovative and, and thoughtful. So we felt there was a need to add something there. And, and then beyond that, we, we thought that all of the big sportswear brands just felt really stale and corporate. So this, this human touch in active wear was missing. You know, if you look back at, you could say outdoor voice, the early, early outdoor voices captured that as well. Uh, but even, you know, when we, when we started cracking our heads, <laughs> it was, uh, there was nothing there. So yeah, mm. so kind of a few, a few variables in play from the, from the start. And, uh, yeah, and how has it developed over the years? It's, it's come a long way. We've had <laughs> we've had more than our fair share of uh, detrimental issues to to overcome, and uh, as as I'm sure you can relate to it. Uh, first and foremost, we had we had to just figure out how to bring it all together. Honestly, the the product yeah. side, the philosophy the the visual language it was it it was really fragmented it was it was like two ambitious young men with uh, <laughs> big ideas but uh probably far removed from the reality of the marketplace so <laughs> so uh yeah a lot of uh a lot of soul searching and uh a lot of to use a more a corporate term uh, <laughs> a, a lot of more consolidation, if you will, right? <laughs> so how do you connect the gear to the philosophy? How do you, mm. how do you serve? How do you really serve the people that, that it's ultimately for, right? Yeah. So you go through many phases of, of looking at different groups of athletes, looking at different groups of friends going on, on many trips and, you know, training with athletes and in different parts of the world and ultimately bringing it, you know, up to something that we feel is more, makes more sense ultimately yeah. <laughs> right now where it's, it's more about th this, this wider, what, what we refer to as this kind of wider concept of outdoor wellness. So going out into the outdoors, exploring the outdoors, with the mindset of awareness, with the mindset of curiosity, uh, the ambition to, yeah, discovering yourself, um, doing something good for yourself at the mm. at the basic level, 
And then beyond that, understanding that that doing something good for yourself can also be something good for the environment and, and mm. vice versa. And you do a lot of things in groups, right? So you have that kind of community aspect. Yeah, so that's always been part of it, honestly. We, we started with, I remember, five runners on the floor of a running store in San Francisco that didn't quite know what was going on, <laughs> trying to uh, teach them meditation as they headed out for their, for their long run of the week. And then it slowly grew into much bigger events with, you know, 100 plus people, uh, online events, courses, and then really the, the lockdown opened a whole another set of doors, uh, to, to, mm. to be honest, when we released our, our most ambitious online course that's, that's still on our website now, and an introduction to mindful movement. and. From there, we, yeah, we sort of piggybacked off that into a series of online events with a lot of the people that inspire us, great meditation teachers, psychologists, philosophers, uh, yeah, during the early part of the pandemic. And, and now we're actually gearing up to, to launch a much kind of more comprehensive yeah, program on, on our website. Uh, with all those different people teaching courses that people can buy on our website alongside the physical product. Cool. And so there's like, maybe talk a little bit more about the mindful athlete program. So what was your idea behind that? And like, do you notice personally the connection between mental health and physical health? Was it, which one came first, you know, like how good running or being active made you feel on a mental level or something like, like you said, there are a lot of things missing in like the bigger corporate brands. And I think for me on surface level, it would have been like the courses and kind of talking about the mental side of things and not just being like performance based and success driven and like goal oriented, you know, so which kind of came first and, and what's kind of the connection there between the mental and emotional side of of well-being and the physical? I think in the in the context of the industry, it's it's really uh, in conflict at its core because you're you're selling this you know within sport historically let's say they sell this idea of 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 insecurity right of um of excellence of of attaining certain levels physically to 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 mentally excel and in order to achieve that they they change their product language every two years to endorse that insecurity. So they say, oh, you need to run barefoot. Uh, and then two years later, because they sold you all the barefoot shoes they can, they, <laughs> they, they say that you need to wear a three, four centimeter sole. And then, you know, that's obviously in Tokyo this year will be the case and carbon plates. <laughs> and then we can guarantee you in three years time, it will actually be barefoot again. So the, this, uh, the, the industry is predicated on insecurity. And, and so with that in mind, it, it's, it's incredibly challenging to try and find a way to serve people, to help people, to, to fulfill people, to create a, a life journey through practices like, like running. Um, when, when you're dealing with, like, with those two sides of, of what we do that, that do sit in conflict, and I think that's probably a, a good beginning point to acknowledge. 
And then mm. the, the second thing that kind of builds into that is everyone's coming at this from, from a different standpoint. For, for someone, a, a, a singular point in time, we could have, to Max's point, 10 people in the room and we could have some people that are coming from an experienced uh, physical background. We could have some people that are coming from a more experienced, um, let's call it meditation, mindfulness background. Um, and, and how do we create a canvas that, that can link them all? Because we for sure understand that the sum of the whole is worth more than the individual parts. So a lot of what Max does in particular, I think, is creating a safe space for, for, for these different walks of life, for these different people to come together and exchange values and ideas. And from there, you know, what are we in that beyond, beyond a framework it is is really a prog a, a project with with an unheralded level of of authenticity of 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 sincerity because most of these projects like us you know they they obviously need to be funded in certain ways and there's realities that goes with that which which can affect their values and i think without saying any specific brands we all have those brands in mind that at one point delivered so much uh, authenticity, value, meaning to our lives, and then something changed at one point, right? So they they betrayed us. They they looked different. They they didn't deliver on their promise anymore. So you know, I think in the context of of what we're doing, it's you know it's obviously predicated on Max and I's you know long friendship, and and our independence as a company and and our relationship between between us, which is able to set this up and create this safe space for everyone, and then the actual the actual kind of practicalities of the program, of what's, of what's in a program, um, introducing mindfulness, um, of training for a marathon, of, 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 of overcoming trauma, becomes uh, interchangeable things that, that we are also learning. But, but I think what, what we do promise people and what we try to, or the, the promise that we try to uphold to people is really that, that safe space based off our, our independence and our, and our long-term values. Mm. Yeah, I think really the... Yeah, I agree with, I agree with this idea of, of it being born of, out of a healthy friction, right? We talk about mm. this concept of healthy, healthy friction a lot, right? You don't want too much friction because it's not going to work, but if there's no friction, it's not interesting and you're not adding anything. So mm. we needed a little bit of, of healthy friction and we continue to do so. And that's really what the, the program was born out of, right? You, to, to a certain extent, you kind of shock people into something that as a runner, as someone who is extremely used to competing, extremely used to training their bodies and yeah, just doing everything, investing all their resources into getting their bodies into shape and um, competing at the highest level. Uh, to let them know, to introduce them to these much less tangible techniques, right? All of a sudden, you're putting them down on the floor and just making them feel their breath, right, to start with. And it's, uh, it's a complete... Going from, from doing... Well, I've, I always love this, this quote. I think it's, it goes back to Tara Brock or one of the teachers in that, in that field going from doing to being, right? We, we spend so much time doing in our lives and, and you know, you're very familiar with that and 
we are all entrepreneurs that that are doing uh, a lot of a lot of stuff and that enjoy doing, but uh, coming to the realization that there is there is an inherent need to understand how to just be within all of that, right? Yeah. Within everything we're we're going through, and and that was something that I feel was was still an incredible. Yeah, incredibly niche view in the world of sports. There were people exploring it in the context of martial arts early on, and mm. and obviously yoga, you could say, and 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 yoga in its modern form also came came out of athletics, actually, which mm. a lot of people don't know. But uh, it was incredibly niche, so it it is and was a learning curve but i think the the, the industry as a whole and even looking at the, the the runners that are now breaking world records have brought the mental dimension really the mental realm of their training to to the forefront so it's been it's been a group effort that i think we can be be proud of been a, a small part of mm. and how do you kind of integrate it so the mindfulness aspect of it in particular do you lead people through a meditation or mindfulness practice before going on a run before doing a hike or running an event or is it something that you can do whilst you're kind of in movement yeah so we have tried hundreds of different ways of going about it and we still are and I wouldn't want to go as far as to say we've figured out the perfect formula and ultimately mm. as you know everyone's practice is different and and we encourage that right I, I, yeah. I, we both came from a school of meditation called transcendental tm meditation initially okay. uh, seven eight years ago that's how i was introduced to meditation how also tom was introduced to meditation and that's very rigid it's very here's your mantra sit down, repeat the mantra, yeah. do it twice a day for 20 minutes and you'll feel better, <laughs> right? Mm. Uh, so that's great because I really think it works at its basic premise. At the same time, it's incredibly limiting. So we're really trying to, to play with different forms of what's pre predominantly based on mindfulness and different kinds of mindfulness teachings. Yes, you can do it prior to a run. It'll help bring an aspect of this awareness with you into the run. Uh, ultimately, the way I think about it, the way I think about mindfulness in the context of movement now is, is the best thing to aim for is really these kind of accents or little sprinkles of awareness, right? It's, it's, it's unrealistic to to think that you can be mindful throughout the whole run right the mind starts to wander when you're sitting and the mind tends to go absolutely wild as soon as you as soon as you're moving especially when you're running so yes generally we break it up into seated and and moving sessions this is also how the, the course that's online now is structured so you really incubate uh, a basic awareness of the body, basic awareness of the body breathing, a basic awareness of sounds, really everything that that constitutes your subjective experience. And once you've 
once you've practiced that seated and stillness, you take it out into the run with you. And even though it won't be as focused, it won't be as concentrated as it, it, it in, inevitably will be when you're, when you're sitting, you'll take pieces of it with you mm. out into the run. And, mm. and at that point, we just feel like people should, should come back to what works for them. Right. So mm. at that point, we, we, we let it be dynamic and, and open and, and continue to listen ourselves to honestly what, what works for people. So different durations are worth exploring with. It's worth exploring with, you know, stillness, meditation, running, stillness, and kind of interspersed like that. That's how, uh, that's how traditional uh, Vipassana retreats are actually structured between seated and walking meditation as a way of helping you integrate it into your life. So really blurring the line between formal and informal practice. That's, that, that's mm. what it's all about. And I guess it's about long-term practices as well, isn't it? So you can be like practicing meditation throughout the week or kind of integrating it into your daily life, not just doing it like when you're going to go out and be active or go for a run or go for a walk. It's like something you can just make a part of your life. And do you feel like that is something that benefits the way you perform as well it's uh things you've noticed on a personal level with your performance ha having had this kind of mental aspect yeah it's uh so <laughs> we're commonly being pressured into <laughs> into <laughs> into giving an indication of whether or not it makes you faster uh, as a right. as a runner and I don't think we would ever we would ever make any such claims. Mm. What it does do is it makes you a smarter runner, a, a, a wiser athlete. It makes you understand your own boundaries better. It makes you understand the signals you're receiving from your own body better. It makes you just really more receptive to anything that's happening within and around you. So I would say that has been the the biggest impact for, for me and the, the athletes I've been working with. What do you think, Tom? I mean, Thomas, traditionally, Thomas, more the runner now, we go, all go through phases, but Tom probably has more experience running mm -hmm. than, than I do. I also think it's so much to do with the starting point. I mean, obviously, with, with something as extreme as long distance running, you, you attract a lot of um, interesting characters. And mm. a lot of those characters, you know, uh, come from backgrounds of, of, of uh, addiction um, and, and kind of we see obviously replacing one thing for another is, is, is quite a common sequence of events so mm. th the starting point uh, definitely depends because you know running could be a way to access these tools but then they're very quickly being pivoted into into real life and that you could argue is where the real meaning is for that as a person. It was just an access point for them. I think in, in the context of, of, of like racing, of, of com competition, for sure it, it is, it is a, a part of the toolbox. Um, and, and it's not a coincidence because what, you know, one of the most famous, arguably, arguably the most famous long distance coach 
uh, of all time in, in Kenya is, is an Irish pastor, you know, who, whose name is Brother Colm, and he's been living there for 50, 40, 50 mm -hmm. years. And, and what right does Brother Colm have to teach long-distance running? You know, at this point, probably quite a lot, because he's probably learned the, the physical aspects of, of what it requires and how to train mm -hmm. physically. But I would imagine, without having met him, that his background was probably in the spiritual, mental side of training his athletes. Mm -hmm. So you hear about these stories throughout the history of, of competition, that, that people from, from outside the physical practice have applied a, a spiritual acumen to it, which has unlocked, which to Max's point, you know, jiu-jitsu, karate, you know, Hollywood has made these examples. And it is, you know, in my opinion, Max doesn't like to quantify, but you know, it, it is quantifiable if you want to look in the history books. Um, And I think, you know, like all of us, we start with a real desire and a need to quantify at the beginning when we start anything, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. yoga or, you know, you need to get into yeah. the handstand, you know, like mm -hmm. that's the glory. Um, and then very quickly, what, what was a self-absorbed practice becomes a, a, a selfless practice. And then at that point, you might forget what the point of focusing what on 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 that mm. attainment was to begin with because it's really the journey that that makes yeah. everything magical um yeah. but so I, i think the process for for athleticism is uh, or the history of athleticism let's say is, is quite poignant in these figures so we, we we can probably assume that that there's a lot of knowledge for us to gain and and we can also probably assume that we're only just even scratching the surface um because it's very difficult to to define these things and pin them down as max says as well mm, totally but but for sure when we hear that that kobe bryant and michael jordan had a mindfulness coach for sure our mind our minds explode right where we can imagine being in the dressing room we can imagine these techniques that might be being exchanged and that that you know launched their physical prowess to another level through this mental mm. unlock and and we know that we're only using you know how much of our brains x capacity mm -hmm. so so we know that there's so much more mentally to be discovered than physically um scientifically so it's a really exciting moment in time where to max's point we are rediscovering these principles that we have really founded You know, particularly in American culture of being here as, you know, most recently being grounded in this 70s kind of counterculture uh, movement that are being rediscovered and adapted um, by, by the youth of today and, and hopefully taking a new significance. Mm. <laughs> and maybe this is one for you, Tom. For someone listening who's, because I know so many people who are like, I just can never get along with running. I find it really hard. I mean, there's obviously in anything, like I think with yoga as well, you have that discomfort. And once you kind of learn that it's it's all about that and it's the growth and the journey that makes the whole thing fun and experiential in the end, um, that's so important for running as well. I think it's really hard for people to, to get into it though sometimes. So would you have any adv advice for people who just really struggle to get along with the practice and perhaps there's a mindfulness element element which they can use to kind of take it easy at first or I don't know have a different approach to it than kind of putting so much pressure on 
the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we, we had a conversation with a coach of, three or four years ago, and you know, how do you make how do you make the worst part of the worst, most difficult part of someone's day something that that they should come back to every day? Mm. And and that's essentially what running is, because the 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 resting heart rate of a runner, the it's it's quite high, right? When you're physically exerting yourself to that level and you have to hold the heart rate, sustain it over say 30, 45 minutes, two hours, the threshold is quite high and we as humans don't we don't like to do things by half. We like to go straight in and and, mm. and, and run for X period of time. So the the thing that we've seen is you know, to try and put some joy into that for the, at the beginning for most people. So, you know, we're really looking on a practical sense at walking for 30 seconds, running for 30 seconds, and things that make it enjoyable and make the sense mm. of achievement easier, for sure. And then, you know, building up those metrics over time. And then also um, not holding yourself... Max might give technical words for, for my baby language, but <laughs> not, not holding yourself to these incredibly high standards that you see on television, but just to be really proud of yourself for putting on the kit. And for a lot of people, it's, it's buying equipment, you know, for, for by having equipment, putting on the kit and, mm -hmm. and heading out and putting one foot in front of another, whether that's a run yeah. or a walk really doesn't matter, but you're, you're part of that process and, and you're out there at that point and breaking it down to kind of more tangible, enjoyable senses of achievement seems to give people a, f a greater feeling of, 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 of joy in reaching continuity. And, and we really, you know, within District Vision, we really try and give people that sense of continuity because we, we think it's, it's good to be focused maybe on, on, on less and, 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 and focus and, and excel on those things instead of maybe spreading ourselves too thin and creating this idea of, of stress around achievement and needing to do these mm -hmm. things. So, you know, picking your lane and, and, and breaking it down into very achievable goals is, is, a, is something that, that can give real joy and the focus should be joy, right? We, we, don't need, we don't need another job. We don't need another element of stress. So hopefully so you can true. keep it in that box. Um, mm. and, and not let it creep mm. into, into this, uh, this other box, which is more, more pressure-filled, let's say. Mm. For sure, yeah. It makes so much sense. Max, do you want to add anything on to that? No, I think, honestly, just bringing the joy back into any practice is, is, is a journey in and of itself right mm -hmm. we we know we are most of our lives are especially living in places like new york and and london we know so much of our lives is especially in our 20s and 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 early 30s is is a rat race really and mm -hmm. <laughs> to put it to put it bluntly and it's it's important to go through that right and 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 when we first get introduced to yeah, as Tom mentioned, for me it was it was it was more yoga, and you know, running came kind of on the back of that. For, for Tom, it was more running. We definitely made it another job, right? It's yeah. it became all about how to get into the handstand, how to hold the headstand longer, uh, you know, how to crack the six-minute mile or the the five-thirty mile or whatever you're aiming yeah. for, 
And, you know, two, three years in, you just turn around and you look at yourself thinking, that's ridiculous, right? What are you, what are you doing this for? The only thing you are, you should be concerned about is your own well-being, right? You're doing this to do something, to do something useful and something, yeah, something nourishing for yourself. And that simple realization, honestly, can be <laughs> can be a one year practice. It can be a lifelong practice, honestly, because we all have this inherent competitive drive. And, you know, I keep going in circles, honestly. I go through very competitive phases in my life where I feel like, yes, I need to be the one in the team, also in the context of the, the people we're working with. Uh, really pushing everyone along, you know, making our growth targets, you know, allowing us to do more fun stuff and sharing more mindfulness. But that is predicated on certain business goals as well. So So hard to get the balance. Then I step back and I realize there's, there's too much heat. There's too much, yeah, exertion. And I need to step back and, and really just listen and really just let the, the organism we've we've created breathe right it's the same thing i'm you know i'm i'm starting to 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 realize now that you know tom and else have given birth to a beautiful daughter mm. and who needs so much love and 24 hour 24 7 attention right as a, as a baby but then seeing these seeing these creatures grow older and increasingly take on their own personalities and and, and then at some point as as, as parents uh, resisting the temptation to control all all aspects of their lives right it's i feel like growing a business and 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 leading a team can be similar in many ways right you want to you really want to be there when they need you and there is a lot of nourishing it, it it's it's imperative to 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 go to the to the full extent with the amount of of love and nourishment you put into it initially but then you need to know when to let go and how to let go and yeah that becomes the practice yeah and i think you can only do too much but i think a lot of the time when you leave something to kind of take its own course it ends up being one of less resistance and more ease and it can take on different completely new directions and sometimes get you somewhere beyond the kind of the goals you set for yourself absolutely but it's so hard to remember that <laughs> it's it's so hard uh, i remember the story of uh, jack cornfield uh, a well-known meditation teacher that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with and his teacher, who was uh, Ajahn Chah, a, a famous Thai forest master in the in the Theravada lineage of, of, of Buddhism, was studying really hard in his uh, 20s or 30s, in the, 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 the earlier parts of his life. And uh, he had a teacher <laughs> somewhere and, and he would check in with occasionally and he would go off and, and and practice and practice and practice and and you know he was 
he was striving for enlightenment, right? He was he was mm. striving for different stages of awakening, and and you know we can go through different def definitions of of what awakening and enlightenment may mean, and mm. and how they may be distinct. But there was a lot of striving, as in all of our pra practices, right? If you're, this is where I come back to building a business, whether it's building a business, training for a marathon, or sitting in a forest of Thailand meditating, like there is going yeah. to be striving. And he was sitting and sitting and sitting for hours and hours nonstop. And, you know, he was losing as you do even with um, basic transcendental meditation practice with concentration practices, you lose the feeling of having a body, right? And you experience different sensations of selflessness. And the longer you sit, the more concentration you build, the more distinct, the more, yeah, the more sal salient these, uh, these experiences bec become and, and the yeah. more co consistent these experiences become. So then he goes back to his teacher and he reports of his, of his pr progress of, of, of experiences of, of, of selflessness and, and weightlessness and you know all the the physiological the, the neurophysiological uh, uh, effects he was he was feeling he was going through and the teacher just looked back to him and said you don't get it do you <laughs> mm -hmm. the only thing you should be concerned with is letting it be yeah. <laughs> you know? if there's one mantra we can we can take into the world with us is is really just that it's like i come back to that just let it be life will take its course right sometimes yeah. you'll be striving and sometimes you'll be feeling more restful or more at peace that's why the common misunderstanding that you know meditation is predominantly a, a, a method for yeah, dealing with stress of even inner peace, it's, it's again, it's a, it might become a question of semantics, but, but ultimately, yes, at times we'll feel at peace and other times we feel at war with ourselves. But the practice is about <laughs> letting all of that just be what it is yeah. and, and seeing all of it as just appearances in our, you know, our human consciousness. Yeah. Yeah let it be let it calm let it go you know and the more you resist it it just makes it the whole thing more uncomfortable i think it doesn't really get you much further and also on what you were saying about kind of striving even in things like meditation and stuff there's um i listened to this audiobook or something with ramdas a few years ago and he talks about enlightenment and then what and he's like so what happens once you're there like <laughs> and I love the idea of that too because it's like we're striving 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 to like be the most enlightened especially in like if you're in the wellness industry to be the most enlightened to be the most like selfless and egoless but then what like why do you have to be like the best 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 because then you know there's always going to be something further but also there's going to be like what what comes next you know there's always something next and I think that idea, I don't know if it's making sense the way I'm explaining it, but the idea of like us trying to reach like these points of nothingness in, in a way, I think it's a really interesting way of thinking about it and just actually staying in the moment and doing 
doing the best you can as and when you can and as and when things are. And sometimes you need to, and uh, I totally relate to this. And, and what I would add is that sometimes you need to climb to the mountaintop to understand, right? Mm. It's, uh, it's so much easier said than done. You know, yeah. and uh, it it is a a lifelong practice for many of us. We need to go through, yeah. We need to we need to go and look what's behind those walls. What's behind the next wall, right? That's why mm-hmm. I still there's this whole uh, ongoing debate of the the sudden school of realization versus the gradual school mm. of, of realization, right? So yeah. there are different, different Buddhist, different spiritual s- schools and lineages focusing on, on, you know, on different ways of going about it. And mm-hmm. to me, it ultimately lies in the, really in the, in the confluence in the, 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 at the synthesis of these two approaches. I do think you need concentration, you need, you need to learn how to commit to just one thing, one way of, mm-hmm. one way of practicing. You need to understand how to, to build concentration because our minds are so all over the place. And yeah. the way that, that technology, I'm sure you saw that great uh, Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, Right. It's, it's, it's technology. And especially as we're entering the age of artificial intelligence, technology is actively working to make us more distracted. We are more distracted than oh, yeah. we've oh, yeah. ever been in the history of humanity. Right. And meanwhile, a few of us are <laughs> going around the world and trying to uh, trying to spread the, the, the wisdom of mindfulness and that is important because that is in some ways I feel like the only chance we have if we don't learn to train our attention we are going to go mad <laughs> very quickly <laughs> and then it, it, it's just looking uh, just looking around us it seems like some of us already have <laughs> especially over the last year <laughs> so which uh, I have a lot of a lot of compassion for and and at at times I certainly felt like I was going mad so yeah yeah. when you don't have all those distractions it's you really have to sit with things and and what comes up isn't always fun no exactly so 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 there's something to be said about the discipline of the practice I still believe it's a really good idea to go on 10-day silent retreats for some people Mm -hmm. it may be a a great idea to 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 train to be a monk for a few years Mm -hmm. in the same way that for some people it's a good idea to to run for hundreds of miles like they need to go through that they need Mm -hmm. to to test the the thresholds of their physical ability and and obviously the 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 mental work that's in, in inherent in that so i still you know, we, we spoke to to Rich Roll, the, the another podcaster, mm-hmm. you know, who's who's an inspiring figure and, and has a lot of a lot of wisdom to share. And we asked him about balance and he said he's just gotten to the point where 
you know, as a long-term meditator and a long-term endurance athlete, he's gotten to the point where he just feels like the, the whole concept of balance is overrated. Yeah. Like, forget about balance. Life is not about balance. Yeah. And you can't really, you can't really ever get there. No, exactly. Consistently, sustainably. Yeah. Exactly. Like you might use that as a North Star, like this, this, this feeling of being more in equilibrium to, to, to relate to the highs and lows that, that life brings with more of an attitude of balance, right? There's, again, it becomes a, a question of semantics, but I think ultimately, yes, go out and push yourself to the limit and, yeah. and, you know, go to the top of the mountain, run for 50 miles, you know, sit and meditate for a month, whatever it is you, you feel like you need to do. The only thing <laughs> you really need along the way is your awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Keep, keep the lights on, keep paying attention to what's going on within and around you as you're going through it because that is what's going to make the difference that's actually such a nice idea it's a nice idea because you can try all those things and like you, you've just listed off a few different things which some are extreme some are very different from the others and i think what you've said about having awareness is that you can kind of try everything as long as you keep having the awareness of what you're doing and how it's feeling you can refine kind of things that work best for you along the way and i think that's probably the key for, for our well-being and feeling good more often than not is doing more of the things that feel good and that we enjoy, not just doing things because other people are doing them or because they have health benefits or they have like proven studies and stuff. It's, it's more about like actually being hungry to try things and like being taking responsibility to go out there and do things and try things and see how things feel and keep that awareness I think in doing that it probably builds your awareness too in some way absolutely so it's just it builds with time you just gotta you just gotta make it a priority and I think that goes back to just having some form of of daily seated practice right mm. because it is so it's so easy to lose it throughout the course of the day because our minds are being pulled in hundreds of different directions as we, you know, go go through the lives, through our lives, and so we experience the world. Uh, so, you know, some more concentration-based med meditation practice is, yeah, has a lot of value because it'll just it'll just help you bring it along, bring this this awareness of the present moment allowing you to yeah to really cover the, the spectrum of awareness right you can you can focus on one thing at a time right? you can focus on just the breath you can focus on just different sensations in the body or you can open up to whatever arises right and yeah. and really just to to play with that as you go out into onto a run as you go and uh, make music make art you know, whatever it is you, you do, it's like being in the flow alone, sadly, being in this, in this 
elusive state of flow, you know, the state of optimal performance that mm-hmm. many of us, many of us are, yeah, would almost go as far as to say addicted to, right? We, yeah. we're, we're chasing this high, but it's, it's, it is just another high. Like it's okay to be on the high, but it's not a meditation and you're not learning, you're not growing unless you bring the awareness with you on the ride. And so you can be mindful of the, of the high (laughs) as well as the low. Definitely. I think it's accepting the the most of life is without sounding really depressing, like mostly kind of low and on a bit of a... Lukewarm, (laughs) right? Yeah, Yeah, it's lukewarm. It's never like always boiling hot. And it's, but I think, like you said, the, we are so addicted to the highs and like, even if we have a really great thing that's happened, it can be so quickly flipped around by like a tiny thing that just kind of pisses us off a little bit. And I think, yeah, I think we've become really detached from just enjoying like the simple moments and the mundane life and just finding ways to make the really mundane things, which is generally like probably 60, 70% of our lives, (laughs) just more enjoyable and things that we appreciate more, I guess, too. So true. I mean, that's why, you know, once, whenever someone like Ram does listens to people that have taken their first heavy dose of uh, LSD or, or, or mushrooms, you know, just in awe of the beauty, right, of that's all around us. And, uh, you know, and he really talks about just sitting and looking at the flowers right and and mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't need any more he didn't need any more bef- before he passed he didn't need any any more any more substances yeah. to precipitate this 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 way of seeing the natural world right but but really getting to this point of realizing this is all a miracle right this mm-hmm. is the fact that we are alive the fact that we that the lights are on the fact that we are conscious the fact that we can have this conversation, the fact that we are looking outside at, at, at trees and and we're breathing air and that's how we're staying alive. That is yeah, all an, an, a miracle. And the deeper you go down the rabbit hole of meditation, the more you realize it's it's all in the simple things and it's those simple qualities that make up our world, that make up our human experience, that mm. are really worthy of endless awe and and just appreciation and humility. Definitely. And that's something actually let's talk about that quickly. Um the use like the safe use of psychedelics and stuff in LA because I know the idea of it is so new and a little bit people just don't know enough about it I think maybe there but definitely here in Europe as well and so what is like what is the scene like I guess over there in LA and like what's what's your the scene is wild (laughs) (laughs) yeah the scene is pretty wild in LA everyone's dabbling in it and you know I'm not an expert my take on it is that sure it's it's fine to try everything, right? Unless you're 
you're driving. <laughs> you know? They try mushrooms, try acid and, and see what it does. But ultimately, I'm not really a fan of the recreational use of mm. any of it, to be honest. Mm. I, yeah, that's the thing. I've tried it at parties in the past. I've tried lower doses and there is, you know, micro dosing, which is a whole nother genre in and of itself. Mm. But uh, to me, it's really it's really about the, the as you say the safe and therapeutic or ceremonial uh, ways of experiencing these yeah these substances mm. with very clearly set intentions with mm. people with guides that hopefully have experience in this field at mm. higher dosages so you do it honestly I've done it Three, three times maybe with a guide with and without a guide mm, yeah. and I feel like I've seen everything I needed to see and I will have pretty much that's not to say that I'll never do it again but I would be happy if you told me today I could never do it again I would be yeah. perfectly happy with everything I've seen and learned and I know I'll be busy for the rest of my life integrating these insights into my life mm. because it's mm. so overwhelming at yeah just yeah it's just it's 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 really really difficult to put it into words mm. but everything we're looking for in meditation in spiritual practice is available to experience on these on these substances but it's still just an experience right mm. the, the the work is in is in is in the integration and mm. if there is something you know i feel like i can contribute to the to the conversation at this point is that we need to talk about the integration because yeah. i see a lot of people doing it i see a lot of people even doing it with great guides and in the mm. context of great books and a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom that's been accumulated but we are we're struggling with the integration part it's mm, just yeah. it becomes another movie right it becomes another just another it's like an escape if you're doing it like you said recreational it's like another thing it's another thing to say that you do or another high that's amazing but then if you don't actually reap the benefits of it and uh, become able to use the insights that you experience in day-to-day -day life then it becomes I guess it kind of defeats the pro the, the object a hundred percent well yeah you can you come across teachers and you know certainly after watching something like fantastic fungi mm -hmm. you can certainly be forgiven for thinking that or really looking at the mushrooms as something sacred, right? Mm. Uh, but then you listen to more experienced guides that'll tell you the opposite. It's like it's not the it's not the the mushroom that is sacred, it's it's your mind, right? Mm. If there's anything that's sacred is it's your mind and well, what these what these mushrooms illuminate in your own mind. Mm. So uh 
I think that's a that's a just a beautiful point to bring it back to. It is inherently all just a way of making us discover our own mind mm. and yeah, seeing the world with more awareness, with clearer awareness, with more curiosity and with more yeah, loving kindness as well. Yeah. That's what was missing for me. I mm. was very steady on my core, on my path of meditation, but I couldn't really connect to the heart practice. So I just, mm. my, my life and my practice still felt very stoic and very rigid and, you know, which helped me deal with emotions very well. And, you know, yeah. I'm an organized person and I feel like my life is under control, but I was having difficulty emo relating to people emotionally. Yeah. And these like mushrooms in particular, just, they just blow your heart open mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you see that there is no separation between all of us, right? That mm -hmm. we are just different expressions of each other yeah. and uh, like whatever your pain is, 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 is my pain. And, and that really is the, the only way of seeing the world that is worth, that is the worldview to, to strive for. Uh, to bring it back to, 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 to striving is, uh, yes, is being able, is being able to cut through this illusion of a separate self, right? To, to get to the point of seeing us all as, as interconnected. It's, it's a journey. <laughs> sure. I guess like being out in nature where you guys do a lot of your events as well, that must play such a nice role in it too, because I think for me, that's how I kind of have interpreted the mushrooms in a way that we really experience something from a natural source and that, that, that helps you to feel that connectedness and oneness, which I think you can get in nature as well. I think it's something, it must be really powerful for you. I mean, the way you do your events, they, it looks amazing. And I think just being immersed in, in nature and turning to natural things as much as possible is a way to just reach these experiences that are just inexplicable and you can't put them into words but something beyond us and i think that's the amazing 100 percent. it's uh it's all there for the taking if you know how to we've grown out of it and we'll we'll go back into exactly. it right exactly. <laughs> that's the black and white of it i mean you can't argue with that <laughs> um I'm just going to end with five quick questions um, that I always end each session on. Um, so a big kind of life lesson or pivotal moment in your life, I guess maybe it was for you losing your job that you mentioned earlier or anything else like that was that was perhaps a blessing in disguise that led you to where you are today. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, that jumps out as the number one experience, just you know, being in a really well-paid position at a big fashion house, which is something I'd always thought I wanted and had been mm. working towards for my whole career that came to an abrupt end and certainly felt like my, you know, my life was over, <laughs> but gave birth to this incredible journey that we're on now. And yeah, all the beauty and, and the, the insights that that have come with it 
so um, I think that is at this point probably common knowledge it's like the phoenix out of the ashes right it's just learning to see the, the the traumatic incidents of your life whether that is losing a job a partner or even you know losing someone permanently can be the birth of something new and will be the birth of something new it's not mm-hmm. just that it can be it, it it will be that is the nature of life yeah i love that um three things that help you trust the process or enjoy the process of life when things are perhaps maybe a little bit uncertain uh, well meditation is going to be one of them the actual formal part of of sitting is incredibly important to me and you know i do at least an hour and a half of that every day i i recommend people do at least 30 minutes because it's really the the kind of firm foundation of mm-hmm. um yeah navigating your way through the ups and downs the other thing for me is uh is movement it's uh it's getting out into nature and experience nature yeah experiencing nature up close and and feeling your body in the context of nature just just letting letting nature have its healing effect on the body is uh is incredibly important and then beyond that, and something that I've only really discovered for myself during COVID is um, is food. And I'm not a foodie at all. I never really loved to cook, but but just the process of discovering foods and, and making food a part of your practice and learning to relate to food and the way it affects your, your body and, and your emotions yeah. is, uh, is has become part of yeah, part of the practice for me and, and, and an important part of, of life. Amazing. I love that. Um, the third one, recent discoveries. So this could be books or people or products or things you've watched, anything you've that's kind of adding value to your life. Uh, recent discoveries. So I'm actually reading more science books. I dropped out of... Uh, I dropped out of all my science classes in high school because I thought I, I knew what I, I knew I knew what I was doing and I didn't need science. Now all I care about is science. Yeah, it's so ironic. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm reading this book, Five Keys to Reality. By it's a really simple book, two hundred pages, really just explaining all the, you know, the the fundamentals of of physics to a, mm. a, a commoner, like a, a novice like me. And it's just fascinating. I feel like if, if, if physics and all the discoveries that, that are being made in physics and have been made in physics aren't, aren't spiritual, then I don't know what is. So mm. I, I would just say that. I just, I just think really immersing myself in, in accessible physics books is, um, is a massive recent discovery. Yeah, love that. I love that. I, I think books like that I could definitely get into, but I was exactly the same in school. I just didn't feel connected to learning about that sort of stuff. And through like the documentaries that I'm watching recently, it's all coming back in like what is going on in the world, like underneath the surface. Um, your current favorite meal? This is a good one if you recently studied 
cooking more something that makes you feel good or that you that you've been making a lot recently? what have i been making a lot of i always make the same things and they are really i mean they've definitely the portfolio has definitely grown since uh, <laughs> since the start of the pandemic but uh i always i always come back to my uh golden turmeric milk and uh the this old ayurvedic recipe of just br brewing uh fresh turmeric root with black pepper and in, in milk and uh it's just the most just more nourishing and and comforting and and you know healing thing you can put in your body so i always come back to that love that i haven't had one of those in ages actually um last question three questions we should be asking ourselves on a regular basis to check that we're kind of on the right path or just to kind of check in with ourselves Ooh, uh am i aware that is a question that we can be asking ourselves and i am asking myself as as frequently as possible throughout the day that is something that's probably the most most frequent one uh, uh am i am i enjoying what i'm doing am i finding joy in what i'm doing just going back to what tom was saying earlier really it's easy to feel like you're making progress without really experiencing joy in what you're doing so yeah. bringing it back to joy is 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 really important and then last question is to me incredibly important is am i making a difference and that is probably a more ambitious question to ask but making a difference can be can be sending rockets into space and it can be you know helping someone across the street or uh, buying a meal for someone who can't afford it or yeah. doing whatever right am i making a difference is there something i can do today to make a difference oh, thank you so much for your time it's been so nice to connect with you likewise <laughs>that you enjoyed this episode with max and tom it was super nice connecting with them we've been speaking digitally and virtually for a couple of years now and it was really nice to carve out some time i think they're doing amazing things i think they're really changing the way we approach movement and fitness and running and stuff like that and i love their approach to life in general so i hope that you found this episode inspiring or insightful in some way and perhaps you'll check out their their events or their online courses which i'd highly recommend if you did enjoy this episode, please do share it with please do share it with friends or family you think might enjoy it too or might benefit from it in some way. And as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please do leave a review or rating as it helps increase the visibility and help other like-minded people to discover it too.